You're listening to The Weird Sisters, Harry Potter Reread, Episode 10. On today's show, we discuss Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Chapters 10, 11, and 12, and our trip to Universal Studios' Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Hello and welcome to The Weird Sisters. I'm Danielle. And I'm Allison. And we are fresh back from Harry Potter World. Yes. It's very sad to be here in the Muggle World again. I know. I went to work the next day and I I had to put on real clothes and not my robe. And I was like, (laughs) what is this crap? Yeah, it's way less exciting. Yes. So, I don't know. Where should we start? Oh, gosh. Well, I don't know. Okay, well, if you are somehow unfamiliar, uh, I think they did just open one in California, but the one we went to is the one that's been there for a while at Universal Studios in Florida. And there's the Hogsmeade Village, which is in mm-hmm. one park. They have two parks mm-hmm. very close together. Uh, and there's then Diagon Alley, which is actually the newer one, right? Yes. Um, in the other park. And then you take the Hogwarts Express, of course, back and forth between the two parks. I don't know. What was, what was your favorite part? Or maybe that's a too difficult question. Well, I, I think we were both, I mean, I certainly was, I was really impressed overall. Um, you know, when you walk in and we went to Diagon Alley first and it's kind of, you know, it, it looks like, you know, this casual London street outside, and then you walk in, and you're totally escorted into this other world, and all of your childhood dreams come true. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it was I mean, it was delightful. really impressive. That first, and I had seen a few pictures, so I was sort of trying to avoid it, but it it feels very different to walk into that and to be there, and it's very, very cool. Yes. Like, the, the aesthetic is dead on. Oh, yeah. And I think, and we were, you know, we were in the park for three days, but we were probably spent, we spent the most amount of our time in the Harry Potter worlds. And, you know, so that might be two, like, Diagon Alley in the morning, Diagon Alley in the evening. And I think every single time I was there, I saw something new. You know, a different... A different sign, a different little display in the window, just all of those details, which are what you all, you know, which was what makes the world, which is what gets you excited from the beginning. There they are in the tangible flesh around me. And it's, yeah, it's, it's very trans, transformative is not the right word. Transporting? Transporting. Transporting. Yeah. I feel like if you just go for a day and you wander around and do the stuff, you're you're going to miss so much of all the, those little details. Like going back and looking and looking and looking mm-hmm. is is really, really fun. Not that you won't have fun if you just go and wander around, but there's so much to see and you really need to look for it. Right. Well, and like, I'm sure, if, as you know, folks that aren't Potter fans, like, it's probably still impressive to them. And you could kind of tell folks that, you know, didn't care versus the ones that noticed all of those little details. Mm-hmm. And I think just in the way that you love all of the letters and the books, the titles, mm-hmm. like I think that's what they're, 
especially in Diagon Alley, just all their signages and displays and all of that, I think was just as good as some of those. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. Like, and even from, like you said, before you even walk into that, like, that part of the park proper, it's a little London street, and there's mm-hmm. the telephone booth, the red telephone booth, which is the public entrance to the Ministry of Magic, and you can mm-hmm. call, and she tells you that the, the entrance is closed. <laughs> But the minister wishes you a good day. Yes, but the minister wishes you a good day. And then you walk in, and I don't think you noticed it till like the fourth time we walked in yeah. there. Is there's they play the sound of the brick um, moving when you walk mm-hmm. enter Diagon Alley. Yeah, and there's lots of those really well timed. Like there's always music playing, but different things are reacting to you, or there's music reacting to you. Like, when you get on the train, it makes the whooshing sound, like, yeah. when you go through the platform, and all those little details would make, they did them very well, and just made it all the better for us. Yeah, and I do have to say, I really liked, um, I was kind of expecting more of, uh, I don't know, like, the movie characters everywhere, and like, posters of, you know, the actors and things like that, but it is not like that at all. no. Like you, you see um, the actors in some of the rides because they got them to do little bits and voiceovers and things like that for the rides, but mm-hmm. it's completely immersive, like you imagined it in the books. It's not like oh, Harry Potter the movies or whatever. So it's great. Well, and it was fun. Like pretty much any time we were somewhere, I was both imagining myself like. Oh, like, here I am as a first year going to Diagon Alley and getting my school books. You know, it's like really being able to to put yourself into that and also thinking about the storylines. Oh, like, oh, Harry would be like he got ice cream here when he was staying at the Leaky Cauldron after he left the Dursleys early that one summer. And, And so you can really picture all of those scenes, plus put yourself into that reality as well. So, yeah. And the first thing we did when we got there, was we went to Ollivander's. Mm-hmm. Because, A, we heard it gets really, really busy. Right. And, B, I needed a wand, first thing. Because you <laughs> yes, told you me about... you were very sure about that. You told me about doing the spells and things, that, all the places you could do the spells, so I needed a wand to do the spells. Mm-hmm. And Ollivander's is lovely. The wands were more impressive than I was imagining that they would be. Oh, really? They have so many different kinds. Mm-hmm. Well, and they have a lot of the characters' wands. And a then they, ton? Almost yeah. every character's wand. Like, really secondary characters. Like Professor Flitwick and Cho Chang. And I think they even have... Do they have Umbridge's wand? I think so. Yeah. And Arthur Weasley's. And, yeah, yeah, they have all of those wands, which surprised mm-hmm. me how many they had. Mm-hmm. I think they made a bunch of those extra ones. Well, I guess all those characters would have been in the films, so they are based off of their film ones. Mm. And then, then, of course, they had, like we talked about, the ones with the Celtic symbols or whatever, so they had what they called unclaimed wands. Um, I think probably, like, 12 of those? Yeah, yeah. Um, that you could get, too. And I, I was very difficult to decide what wand to buy. The wand chooses the wizard, of course. The wand, I know. And I went with Hermione's, Mm -hmm. both because I liked, like, the simple shape. Some of them have more dramatic shapes, um, Mm -hmm. like with 
big flared handles or I think the Death Eater wand is like curved and skulls or whatever. But hers is a, a very simple shape with just like a vine design on it. And then I also went with Hermione's because I knew going in that I wanted to get something Hermione-y. Oh, okay. So I decided to go with that one. So, and why did you pick your wand? Well, I did not get a wand right away. <laughs> no. You, you were a little, you didn't think this was a practical item, which is it a ridiculous thing. It caused me great, great angst. To it be. did some great angst. Because it's very cool, it's very impressive, you know you enjoy it in the moment, but then that that practical, responsible part of me says, like, what will I do after I'm not here, this is expensive, it's silly, like, whatever. But then I finally caved, got a wand, and, but the, I ended up, I wasn't, I looked at a bunch of the characters, but I didn't love I just was none of them were choosing me. None of them were speaking to me, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the first one I looked at that first morning, I ended up getting. It's one of the Celtic ones for May, which is when my birthday is, and I like May. So mine is Willow, which apparently, you know, Willow's pretty pretty flexible, pliable, right? And according to Pottermore, I'm holding my wand, by the way. Yes, just she's waving it at me. Connect with it. <laughs> it's a good pointy device. Uh, Willow wands have consistently selected those with greatest potential rather than those who feel they little have little to learn. It has been a proverb in my family that he who has furthest to travel will go fastest with Willow. So apparently I have a lot to learn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that makes sense. Um, so, but then obviously wands are just cool. But a big reason why they sell so many, and they sell a lot, let me tell you. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not just, first of all, they have an Ollivander's in both Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade. And then, like, every other shop also sells them. Yes. Because everyone wants to buy one. um, But is you do the spells. And now the Mm -hmm. spells are mostly but not exclusively in the windows of shops. Right. And they have little markers in the pavement that says there's a spell here. And what I didn't realize before is that you actually, there are different spells. Mm-hmm. So you have to move your wand in a different manner. And it says like what the spell is. You know, there's a Wingardian Leviosa um, one. And you have to do it. And then something will move or happen, usually in the shop window. Yes. And so and there's quite a few of them. There's probably mm-hmm. 30, maybe 40 of them. I don't know about 40, but maybe 30. Yeah. Uh, and I had a great deal of fun with that. <laughs> well, and some were surprisingly challenging. Yes, because you're there's a little camera that has to track your movements and like mm-hmm. okay, how big or how small or where do you point it. It can be a little mm-hmm. tricky, but... But that we, we makes got... you feel more authentic, and then you feel very accomplished when you do it. Yes, when you do it, you feel like, man, I'm really great at this. <laughs> I really liked there was this one moment where this mother was with her like small child, child too small to have the motor skills to really do this. Mm-hmm. And so then I think both you and I made like did it successfully, and the child was just like wide-eyed, and the mother mm-hmm. said something to the effect of, like, you're really impressing my daughter. I'm like, yes. This is my moment. <laughs> she thinks I'm magic. 
Yeah, well, that was part of what I liked about the spells is actually the little bit of interaction with other people. Because once you figure it out or like where the camera is or how to do it and you see other person, other people struggling, you can kind of go up and say, no, do it over here, mm-hmm. you know, and then they do it, especially with little kids, because right. there's lots of little kids who are struggling. And if you point them in the right direction and they do it, then they're happy. Right. Unless they show me up. I don't like that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you just got to be better, I guess. But yeah, there was real. And then there were some pretty dramatic ones, too, like water shooting everywhere and big lights turning on and off and like yeah. really fine it, and then the the windows were pretty intricate movements of all the props and so it's i mean it's like, like i said very well done and mm-hmm. it's fun and there are some hidden ones when we did find some hidden ones mm-hmm. uh where it's not marked but if you do the spell then it will work um yeah it was awesome i really like that and then of course i did cave and i got robes Yes. And a hat. And a hat. Okay. The robes are so expensive. They're like $120. For a grocery size. Well, were the children cheaper? Well, maybe like $90. Okay. Well, so, and then, so your robes come with like a hat that's attached, kind of like a hood. But Mm -hmm. that was not good enough for me. I had, they also had fancy dress hats. Yeah. When we, when we were in, um. Madame Malkins. And I thought the fancy hat was just for display. Because they, they had Dumbledore's fancy robes mm-hmm. and things like that. that Which were I wanted. Those looked awesome. But they were not yeah. for sale. But they did have fancy hats for sale. And I bought a fancy hat. And it is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that sent me back another 50 bucks. Right. Right. But I will say, though I didn't, I didn't buy the robes, like... I was surprised. I just played a little dress up in the store and I put it on and man, did that feel nice. (laughs) It's so good. So then after I bought them, then we would go like every night and I would wear the robes and the hat and the wand and go around like looking for all the spells we missed and stuff. Mm. And that was unreasonably fun. Like I know (laughs) it's a ridiculous thing and I have to wear it for like every Halloween for the rest of my life now. Yes. And possibly Um, just to lounge in. And possibly to lounge him. But it was just so fun. Yeah. And okay, and I did get the Hufflepuff robes. Yes, you fully committed on your Hufflepuffness. I did. I, in fact, I changed my phone background to be a Hufflepuff. Wow. <laughs> I, I decided I'm a Hufflepuff and I'm cool with that. Okay. Just going for it. That's good. Yeah. Though, and you too, especially when you were all decked out, you were you were quite the envy of the children. <laughs> I, know, I, I heard like, them whispering, here she has a robe, she has a hat, she has a wand. <laughs> <laughs> like standing to look. Oh, yeah. Well, I did look pretty cool. I can't blame them. Shoot, though, I was, and I was realized it as I was reading our chapters this week, but actual Hogwarts robes are not house colors. No, they're not. When you think, I mean, I, that never dawned on me. But, like, if you go and get your robes as a first year, you don't know what house you're in. You get the same. And when they were, they stole the extra robes from the laundry, they just got bigger sizes, not Slytherin oh. robes. I was like, yeah, they, oh, my goodness. They do have colored Quidditch robes, which they mention in these chapters. Yeah. But, no. But it it sells much better because they're black on the outside, but the lining on the inside is right. you know, the color of your house. Yeah, I'm okay with it, but I just had never realized that before. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, and pretty much, I mean, so we walked around and we just kind of enjoyed the atmosphere a lot. And there's, you know, there's a, some are just storefronts and some are shops. Of course, they're selling you everything, but I don't even care because you want everything. And, mm-hmm. but too, like, you know, so maybe it was a shop that you could go in and buy things, but then you look up and there's like this whole second story almost that's, you can't go up there, but it's, still decked out you know and it's just the display continues and so it's it's around you everywhere and that's that was just so so impressive yeah so like what did they have for people to imagine this they had madame malkins yeah quality quidditch supplies these are all the ones you could go into there are more store like storefronts um they had the ice cream parlor flourish they had flourishing well they did they have flourishing bowls Flourish, yes, they did have flourishing blocks. That's where blocks, the windows okay. were, where you can make the invisible ink appear with your spell. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, and... Zonko's... Oh well, that was connected with the Honeydukes. Honeydukes. Weasley's Wizarding Wheezes. Yes. Um... But then they also have places to eat where they ha- they have both the leaky cauldron mm-hmm. and um, the three broomsticks. And then the hog's head is attached. Yes. And we ate it both. And we ate it both, yes. Um, and what did we... Oh, we had butterbeer and I had pumpkin fizz, which I thought was quite delicious. Yeah, your pumpkin fizz was impressively good. Yeah. We never just had the plain pumpkin juice. I assumed it's basically the same. Yeah. But I'm and the on butter- board with the pumpkin fizz. Yeah, I, I got a but, one butterbeer and a frozen butterbeer, and it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I ate a pumpkin pasty. That was that was nice. And I got some chocolate frogs, Birdie Butts Every Flavor Beans. See, I didn't get the food because I would want to eat it, and then I would be sad that I ate it and I don't have it anymore. Oh, I'm keeping the box. Okay. Oh, wait, what card did you cool. get? In your... I got Salazar Slytherin! <laughs> there's like five you know Dumbledore I don't even know but the other four are good and I got Salazar (laughs) it's very upset but it's cool because it's holographic or whatever yeah so it it kind of looks like it's moving of course then there's only three well four if you count the train but no four five if you count the train train, actual rides in um, the in Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley. So in Diagon Alley, there's Gringotts, the Gringotts ride. Mm-hmm. And Which is a, the what, big one. Right. What's cool about all of them is, so, you know, you run through this maze to finally get to the ride, but that's part of the entertainment. So in Gringotts, right, like, you go through that, you know, where all the counters are, and at all the counters there are goblins, that are animatronic, so they're moving and they look at you and they do things and they have ledgers, and that's just there. And then you like go down and there are people's offices and there are daily profits, you know, laying on the desk. So there's all with those moving pictures details. in the daily profits. Yeah, it's it's crazy how how much there is, and so that was really cool. And then the ride, like so, Gringotts. Um, what was that? One? I mean, they kind of stage this little adventure for you, which is fine, and. You get to see Bill, they show you this little, like it's a scene, but then there are holographic images, you know, so Bill mm-hmm. is there, and 
grip hook is there. And then they take you and you're in a, like a roller coaster seat and you move, but you can't move very far total because it sort of stops you and there's 3D action. and Yeah, you're things, wearing 3D glasses. Yeah, things are happening. So it really feels like you're following the characters on this adventure and, you know, the dragon shows up and uh, Voldemort shows up and it's Bellatrix. very... Yeah, like Bellatrix they tried to kill me. Yeah. yeah, she like puts a spell right in your face and like the minecart falls and... I would have to say it's been a long time since I've really been on rides and I don't think I've, I've really done it since they've gotten really good with the 3D mm-hmm. and like simulating where it seems mm-hmm. like you're falling really far and really fast because you're seeing the 3D screen, but you're not actually. Right, right. And I was, I had, I was very impressed with how yes. that all worked. Yes. Because, yeah, and- you, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, you, well, you, I, you get whipped around, and you, like, see a different scene, and there, there'd be, like, spiders coming at you, and it was, it was, it was really good. Yeah, and those, you know, there are some rides in the rest of the park that are, like, strictly your seat kind of moves, and there's 3D imaging. You were actually moving along, and there was some imaging, and there were some things that were built in that were tangible. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I agree. I thought it was really well done. And the castle was similar in that it's a little bit of a coaster, but you're following Harry. Like, my favorite scene in that is you're, like, following Harry on the Quidditch pitch. Like, I was like, this is what yes. it feels like to play Quidditch. Yes. It was, that was crazy my favorite part too. impressive. And yeah, you're moving you really around, feel... and the scene is there. Because you can't really see the car you're in because no. it's, like, it's really dark in there, and you just see – the, the the Quidditch pitch and it seems like you're on it and it I, don't, I have no idea how fast you're moving or how much you're moving but it feels fast and like a lot yeah, yeah. and it is really cool and you fly but, over the lake and up to the castle yes and... yes so those mm-hmm. are probably those are the two biggest rides yes. the Gringotts and um the one in Hogwarts yeah and then, of course in Hogwarts you want the line to our lines weren't super bad but you almost wanted it to be longer because you want a time to take to look at everything in mm-hmm. the castle and take mm-hmm. pictures. And some of my favorite things in the castle were the pictures, the moving, talking pictures. Oh, gosh, yeah. Those were so well done. Mm-hmm. Like, there was one part we were in where there's a bunch, a bunch of portraits. And I think they were all the founders mm-hmm. were there. And they were talking back and forth. And Salazar Slytherin was being a big old jerk. And, you know, <laughs> Godric Gryffindor and Helga Hufflepuff were talking back to him. And they look really good too. Yeah, and it they, looks like they like don't a look like portrait. a computer screen. No, yeah. no, they look like a moving painting. Yeah, and the fat lady was there. Yes, yeah, so the fat lady was very good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. That was probably my favorite ride experience overall. Like in the castle, and then the actual ride itself. Yeah, and then the, the other two are like less themed. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's they're one... actual roller coasters. Yeah, there's one that's um, racing dragons or I don't know what it's called, but that's a more like that's the most hardcore of the rides that are on there. Like you know you go mm-hmm. upside down that sort of thing, mm-hmm. which was fun, but it's not it's not it's not themed the way that Gringotts and Hogwarts are. And then there was like a little baby coaster that's the Flight of the Hippogriff, and it has a little bit of theming. You could see Hagrid's hut. 
Yeah. And, and when so, you were doing the chug, chug, chug up the hill, there was this big hippo- hippogriff there, which I wanted to stop and look at, but we couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's the Hogwarts Express that goes between the two parks, which is Which is so brilliant. Fun. Yes. It's brilliant. Yeah. And it's different. It is different each way. And that that's, again, like, you know, you go through, it's King's Cross Station, and you go through, and it looks like King's Cross Station, I imagine, would look, and the, the timetable is turning in front of you, and if you stand in the right spot, it looks like people are walking through the wall. Yeah, that was, you, okay, this is where it really pays it. To, st- to pay attention and slow down. Because the mm-hmm. first time we did it, you were the only one who noticed. Yeah, well, I knew it was there, which helped. Yeah, but if you just got to pause and watch, and it's actually really well done the way it looks like people disappear. Like, it mm-hmm. plays with perspective, and I think they use, like, a mirror and a light to, to I have no look. idea how it works, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it is super cool to watch the people in front of you disappear. And so you get on the train, and you're in a little compartment, and there's like a, there's a, the window and they have sort of a screen thing that you see what's going by outside the window. And then on your compartment door, which is closed, they do like shadows. So you see like Ron, Hermione and Dementors and things like mm-hmm. that through the shadows. Yeah. And of course, you know, it's like while there you are actually moving, but you know, you get that kind of rumble of the train that I'm sure is enhanced below mm-hmm. you and the sounds oh, yeah. and all of that. Just all those little details that make the whole experience. It was super, super cool. So if someone is gonna who's listening is going to go, do we have any hot tips for them? Oh, hmm. Well, one you should go. You won't regret it. Yeah. It's it's great. <laughs> I mean there's all sorts of like you can get into the the travel planning of it and um the more of the broader universal experience but i mean think kind of just like you said earlier go and take your time and go back and take a chance to notice all those details and really soak it in and you know there are a few kind of street performers what was the one the the really dramatic singer Celestina Warbeck Yes, and the yeah, Banshees. She, and this and the Banshees, yes. She does, she sings A Cauldron Full of Hot Strong Love and a couple yeah. of other ones. What I liked is when she came on one time when we were there, is I saw multiple employees throughout the area start singing with her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they do have, I mean, there's obviously a ton of employees around, but they have uh, witches and wizards that are kind of just on the streets that kind of help you with the spells and things like that. Um, and, of course, they're all wearing outfits and little hats, and it's adorable. Well, this is what I said, is because, you know, certain times, sure, it got a little busy, but if you think about it, okay, I'm in Hogsmeade, that's a village, I'm in Diagon Alley, this is a shopping center, so just got to remind myself these would be busy normally, but I think it would totally add to the atmosphere if everyone got to wear a robe when they entered, because then it would just look like all those people are witches and wizards. <laughs> well, they want you to buy that robe. And yeah, I know. I was surprised. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Tons of parents bought those robes for their kids. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so, and there were, there were not an insignificant number of adults wearing robes either. Which was fun to see. Yes, it is fun to see. 
I, like, I really enjoyed seeing, like, little kids who, like, totally knew their crap about Harry Potter, as well as adults who were like me. <laughs> I think I and talked you, to one girl. I was just going to say, you won't grow out of your robe. No, I won't grow out of my robe. That's right. It's an investment. Um. Oh, and there, I thought um, Nocturne Alley was really good. Oh, mm-hmm. If you yeah, you might not even know it was there. I know it's kind of hidden, and we went once, and then we missed a whole part of it. Yeah, we had to go back. And in reality, for not, I mean, neither of the areas is super big overall, or like we said, ton, it's not like there's tons of attractions, but they just do such a nice job of creating that immersive experience and you kind of feel like it feels like a, a winding street and so then you kind of follow it around but in reality it's a small space yeah i would say if you go and you have the money and you want the outfit or the wand or the hat or whatever is to just do it and wear it and walk into the park wearing it because other people will do it because it's i know it's stupid but it's really fun <laughs> Well, and like, that's what, what you're there chance? for. Yeah, what other yeah. chance are you going to have to do that? And I mean, that's certainly why we went was to enjoy all of that, and I think we did. But then that's like I said, it was it was sad to leave because one, you know, it's bye bye vacation back to the real world, back to the Muggle world, and then I don't even have this to like hold to think that like one day I could go there. I mean, I obviously can go there again, but you know, it was always uh -huh. just oh, there's a place in the world where this sort of exists. Yeah. It was delightful. And it when I came home, I wanted to reread the first book, <laughs> even though we just finished it. <laughs> well, you could. you could. And I think maybe when we're done with the podcast, I, I mean, I like doing the podcast and, like, thinking more deeply and spending time on it. Mm -hmm. But... I also, I just had that urge to just read them all and just do that thing where I just spent all afternoon reading it. You know what I mean? You just get so immersed in it. Mm -hmm. Just enjoy um, the, the magic of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it was fantastic. Maybe uh, if, I'm not very good at this, but maybe I'll post a picture on Twitter or, some, or Facebook or something like that. I don't promise, but maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, and you can check out how cool I looked. Um, <laughs> but, okay, we better talk about our chapters or we're never going to be done. Yeah, they're, they're kind of meaty chapters. Yeah, I thought they were very enjoyable. So we start with chapter 10, The Rogue Bludger. And Lockhart, I know your favorite, he's starts terrible. a chapter. He's terrible, but he's great. We also, we got... Uh, Oh, no, we didn't see his office. We saw Dumbledore's office. Yeah. There. Oh, but there was, like, magical me in the window mm -hmm. with, like, his stupid face, like, waving from the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, Lockhart. Lockhart. Oh, basically, his class is a sham, which we knew. But yes. I love this detail that, like, he... Harry has to be his understudy in all of these, and he's Harry's performing all of his ridiculous stories from the books. Uh, Which Harry's only putting up with because they think Lockhart is dumb enough 
to sign a permission slip so they can get a book in the restricted section to make Polyjuice Potion. Which he is. Yes, he is absolutely dumb enough. You just have to flatter him a little. Which Hermione has no problem doing. <laughs> she is weirdly enamored with him. Yes. But you know, when you're that age, girls get weirdly enamored with lots of things. True, because she's Be it horses 12. or terrible professors or... All those colorful stickers everyone put on their trapper keepers. <laughs> yeah. Hermione's not a sticker kind of person. She just has poor taste and inappropriate crushes, I guess. Ugh. Anyway. And she so wants they... to keep... Yeah. So they get the permission slip, and then Hermione, of course, wants to keep the permission slip because it has his signature on it. Silly girl. And Ron has some great line about he'll sign anything if it stands still long yeah. enough, we'll get you another. <laughs> yeah. But I was... So they're like, get this book. And also, and I was noticed this throughout, but Hermione, in all of the this plotting is the driving force. It's not like she's the brains to Harry and Ron's crazy idea. It's like, mm -hmm. she wants to do this. She's making it happen. She's willing to do all of these things. Let's go. Yeah. Though this book is nasty. It is disgusting, isn't it? Um, That you can turn someone inside out with a potion. Seems like a bad idea. And I want to know how we discover new potions. I don't know, you just mix stuff together and then you trick someone into drinking it. <laughs> and you've well, discovered it's... the correct means to turn someone inside out? Yes. Well, it's kind of science-y. Snape kind of talks about potions like that, right? And like, there are different things have different magical properties, But how? right? I mean, I guess it's because I don't really understand this in the real world either. But, like, how we develop things, especially back in the day. You know, like, how do we know what poisons us? And how do we develop new technologies? Yada, yada, yada. Like, but somehow people do it. People smarter than I. Yep. People smarter than you, Miss Ravenclaw. I have other talents. Okay. <laughs> All right. So remember last episode when I very vaguely asserted that there was some speech Hermione gives where she gets all upset about the importance of um, finding out who's going after Muggleborns. Vaguely. Vaguely. And I told you I wasn't sure it existed or if I was making it up. Well, it absolutely exists. <laughs> and it's in uh, this chapter. My book is page 165. And because we were talking about how Hermione doesn't have a, a very emotional reaction to being called a mudblood and mm -hmm. things like this, but but that actually maybe her pushing of the plot forward is saying that actually she she is having an internal emotional reaction to, you know, being part of this group that's mm -hmm. being attacked. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's set. So Ron and Harriers, you know, they're talking about all the things they're going to need to steal to get the, to make the potion. And maybe this isn't a great idea. And Hermione says, well, if you two are going to chicken out, fine. There were bright pink patches on her cheeks and her eyes were brighter than usual. I don't want to break the rules. You know, I think threatening muggle boards is far worse than brewing up a difficult potion. But if you want, don't want to find out if it's Malfoy, I'll go straight to Madame Pince now and hand the book back in. 
So she's a little peeved that they're, they don't think this is a great idea. Yeah, but <laughs> is it really a great idea? It's a great idea. I mean, per usual, they have all these wild notions or information they shouldn't have. And they're just acting wildly on it instead of doing responsible things. Well, and this makes Hermione irresponsible because she cares, right? Yeah. And she impossibly feels threatened herself. I was going to say, do you think she's trying to protect herself? I don't know that it's entirely like she is particularly afraid for herself, but she definitely feels personally attacked, I guess. Does that make sense? I think she, well, everyone is kind of overall freaked out. There's also at this early point still a bit of a dismissiveness about it. And I think she, almost because she's, smart and kind of knows more of the backstory and like what this would really mean and what it takes to like oh petrify uh -huh. creatures or whatever she's like no like something is not good here something's going on and like we need to know yeah we she need takes to... the threat seriously yeah she basically they feel like they need to have proof that it's Malfoy because right because now no they're... one's going to believe them well, they just, because he's evil, that's why we, we suspect but, okay. him. No, to be fair, he said, you're next mudbloods right after Oh yes, Mrs. That's, Norris. So that is pretty not incriminating. That's pretty incriminating. Yeah. I like that Ron says, it's the best plan we've got. Is it, again, is it Ron? But, okay. It's the best plan they've got. Maybe not the best plan they could have. <laughs> okay. Uh, so they get the potion, but it's going to take a month to brew. Mm -hmm. So we're on hold a little bit. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, Quidditch. Yes. Gryffindor versus Slytherin, a classic matchup. And of course, Slytherin has their new fancy brooms from Malfoy. Yeah, big jerks. <laughs> Woods being wood and all crazy. Yeah, get the snitch or die trying, Harry. Mm-hmm. Um... And he almost does die, as per usual in Quidditch. Because a okay. bludger won't leave him alone. Yeah, and they're not supposed to do that. No. But, so as the bludger is not leaving him alone, and Malfoy is taunting him about it, he sees the snitch by Malfoy's ear, mm -hmm. gets distracted, gets smashed by the bludger. Ouch. Of course catches the snitch on his way down, because... <laughs> That's just what he does. He's really best at catching things while falling. <laughs> Are you saying he's not very skilled? He just falls well? Yeah, he falls well. Uh, and falls to the ground, broken arm. You know, he's got the snitch, but he's in a world of hurt. Okay, so they win the match, and then stupid Lockhart shows Stoop. up. Yeah. Trying to be a jerk. Um, he's not being very proper, because Harry refuses his help, and he helps him anyway. And that's, like, not proper first aid. You know, they have to consent. <laughs> he says, oh, no, not you. I'll keep it like this, thanks. Yeah. Which that's would have been a good idea since Lockhart removes his bones. <laughs> so at least it doesn't hurt now. <laughs> I 
And then here, Hermione is still sticking up for Lockhart. For a person so competent to stick up for a person so incompetent is very confusing. Yeah, because, you know, she sees through later on Professor... Uh, what's her name? Uh, this is another name I can't say. Tree, Trill. Trelawney. Yes, her. The divination. Like, she sees her for a fraud immediately and doesn't put up with it. Of course, she, like, Hermione doesn't do well in that class either, so that's part of it. Whereas Lockhart. Yeah, Lockhart her. likes her. That doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Lockhart sends Harry to the hospital wing where he gets Skelligro, which sounds awful. Which was also, they had a whole window to Skelligro. Oh, yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. And that, the potions book, I can't pronounce it, like Mons de, I don't know, something Latin potions. That was in the window, too. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Um, but so he's in the hospital wing, growing his arm back. And what does he wake up to but Dobby? Yes. Sponging his forehead, which I liked. (laughs) (laughs) Though, this is when we're not... It's this weird thing because we feel kind of bad for him because he's this miserable household who's punishing himself. But yet, we learn he has very intentionally been hindering Harry. Yes, this is when we learn he blocked the platform, he enchanted the bludger, all to get Harry to go home and not be at Hogwarts. Yes. So, I mean, Dobby is very powerful in his own way. His magic is powerful, right? Well, yeah, he can operate into Hogwarts. Yeah, he can seal the platform, and he does this all without a wand. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Is this re- I don't think he's a great planner. This seems like a bad plan. No, he's not. <laughs> like, he was shocked when Harry, you know, he sealed the platform. He's like, ha ha, I got him. And he's like, I never thought you'd get there another way. So even, like, without a flying car, I'm pretty sure they could have gotten there. <laughs> yeah. And, like, as a reader, you're not supposed to think this is a good plan. Right. Right. I mean, you're he's supposed like crazy to think house, he's... Though. Yeah. And he like the way he comes off in this scene I really like. Like the sponging of the forehead and like just his language, the way he talks. It just it, he has such a character that's created like even the, though we like, don't really know him yet. I mean he's committed and deranged and thoughtful. Yes. He he's he's a, a kind deranged creature. Yeah. He wants the best, but in a very convoluted way. Yeah. You know, and here's a, yeah. Just like better to send Harry home in pieces that, and alive than dead. Yeah. And he also drops the nugget here that getting clothes sets a house elf free. Mm-hmm. And we get a little bit of explanation about why Dobby's so obsessed with Harry Potter when he says that life improved for house elves after Voldemort was defeated and then Harry defeated Voldemort, even though it didn't really improve for Dobby. So. <laughs> <laughs> he has a magnanimous spirit to still be, yeah. to love Harry Potter, even though it didn't really help him. 
But that's kind of interesting. You know, you think, obviously, life changed for the greater wizarding world, but that there was a trickle-down effect for the the lower class, as, as it were. Yep. Because, I mean, as we'll see later on, Death Eaters and their ilk are not fond of any magical creature that is not a wizard. I don't know what you're referencing. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Well, in later books, when Death Eaters gain power, they're always stepping on house elves and centaurs okay, and okay. goblins and... I guess. You know, they hate everyone. Well, yeah. <laughs> And, okay, I really didn't, because I have such a trouble remembering the end of this book, I was really confused. Because Harry's like, well, why am I in danger? Because I'm not um, a muggle-born. Mm-hmm. And Dobby doesn't answer. Right, he, and, he has to disappear first. Yeah. But I was like, wait, why is Harry in danger? Um... <laughs> Well, well, this is part of what we were talking about before, and we still don't quite seem to remember or know, that, like, why was the diary given? What was the intent there? And is Harry connected to that somehow? I don't know. We got to remember this when we get to the end to see if Harry ever actually was in danger or was in danger in a way that Dobby would know about. Because when Harry finds a diary, it's when we learn later in the chamber, it's kind of like, oh, I could have never have dreamed to have written to you or something. Yeah. Or does Dobby just think, maybe it's just a generalized thing and he admires Harry Potter. Like, so there's going to be evil unleashed at Hogwarts. That's unsafe. I get, but it feels like it has to be more specific because Harry specifically brings out this question. Like, pointing out this seeming error in Dobby's logic. But I, but I can't think of what well, it is. I'm sure it's okay, my great it's, shame. If it's cued, if it's linked to Voldemort, if he knows that there's a link to Voldemort, Voldemort always wants to kill Harry. Yeah, but I would think that Dobby thinks Voldemort's gone because Lucius thinks Voldemort's gone. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The way so, to, he also tells us another very important thing, that the chamber has been opened before. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. And he knows this. Um, but the hospital ring is a very eventful place. If he, if really, if Lockhart didn't remove his bones, this plot would never get going. <laughs> <laughs> because, okay, so Dobby appears to us, and then um, Dumbledore McGonagall bring Colin Creevy. Mm -hmm. who has been petrified, of course, holding his camera, which we mm -hmm. will know is why he's not dead later on. Mm -hmm. It's because he sees the basilisk through his camera. And, well, one, they say that he was trying to go up to see Harry, which then makes Harry feel bad. Yeah. 
Concept. He was bringing him grapes. <laughs> he That's the kind of thing a weird kid like Colin Creevy would do. <laughs> oh, and then, of course, the nice little Dumbledore tidbit about going down for his hot chocolate. But McGonagall kind of says, well, what would have happened if Dumbledore hadn't showed up? So what would have happened? The Basilisk eats him or what? I, I think that's implied. Which seems reasonable, but I really noticed this line too, and I was like, I couldn't decide. Was he really going for hot chocolate? Well, and I was thinking about this overall as well. So, was it the last book? You know, you kind of... Dumbledore basically admits to knowing a lot of what goes on in the castle. or yeah. And Harry expects he knows more than he lets on. And so, but yet, is this really still a mystery to Dumbledore about the chamber, about the basilisk, about what's going on? Because, yeah. Yeah, and like, on on one hand, that seems a very Dumbledore thing, that of course this old wise wizard is getting out of bed in the middle of the night to go get some hot chocolate. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, is that a little lie? And like... He knew something was going on or something, and he appears to save the day. But and I think it could be read either way, knowing mm-hmm. all that we know about Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. So. But as to but, what Dumbledore knows, we're going to get to that in these chapters when he talks about that. Well, and there's this, this um, clarification that Dumbledore says to McGonagall, right? Like, so it's... For sure, like, the chamber is open again. As if they weren't sure before. And I I kind of forget, Colin's the first person. The cat's been petrified, yes. but Colin is still the first person. So yeah, it has so the it writing seems, on the wall. It seems that this is a reasonable point for Dumbledore to be sure at. The, yeah. So he does know. And then he says, the question is not who, but how the chamber is open. And I'm like, okay, I guess in retrospect, when we know how the chamber is open through the diary and everything, that makes sense. But how is that Dumbledore's question? Does he does he know it's connected to Voldemort? Maybe. I mean, is there some reason that he would know that, like, the heir of Slytherin or something isn't in the castle? Does he have reason to suspect that it's not... Wait, a normal way for the chamber to be open? Let's clarify, because we are both just failing at our knowledge right now. Because um, Voldemort was the heir, correct? Yes. So, if he was the heir, he didn't have children. So he would be the last heir? Maybe that's what he's thinking, but that I wouldn't assume that there's like no heirs of Slytherin around well if Voldemort's the line well but there can be many lines and like what does it mean to be an heir to have some sort of vague connection it, it doesn't take very many generations before everyone's related to everybody well yes but pure bloodness or something <laughs> I mean maybe maybe that's what he's thinking I can almost buy that is that he know he knew he knew it was Voldemort last time mm-hmm. Voldemort's not here so, 
something weird and fishy is going on as opposed to just like a person of his bloodline opening, going to Hogwarts and opening the chamber. Well, that's because, gosh, God, that would be more, well, both are alarming options, but there's some new kid on the block that's just like, oh, yeah, I'm the heir Slytherin. Let me go open the chamber of secrets. <laughs> Unleash the beast. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's a very terrible and different worldview to come in with. Yeah, and maybe we shouldn't really be thinking about what this says about Dumbledore. Maybe it's just meant to foreshadow, you know, the diary. Yeah. But... Because Dumbledore knew it was Tom last time, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Even though Hagrid gets blamed. Right. But. Dumbledore. We spend more time talking about what Dumbledore does and doesn't know. It's very. <laughs> it's a fascinating question. Um. Oh, well, we'll get back to that because we have another very cryptic Dumbledore scene later. Yes. Uh, but the next chapter is the Dueling Club. And we're still brewing our Polyjuice Potion. Mm-hmm. But, so now Colin has been attacked and the students are freaked out. Well, I would be too. Yeah. That's kind of alarming. And I, I like the note about how they're, you know, they're kind of carrying all these amulet, amulets and different things to ward off whatever evil mm -hmm. like i don't know they're already <laughs> the fact that so-called witches and wizards are getting these things that you sort of associate with regular people aspiring to that having yeah i don't know <laughs> it is, it's a good detail mm -hmm. um but they the, so they're brewing the potion but they need some ingredients that aren't available in the student store cupboard and Hermione has a master plan to steal from Snape. And again, very like, this is what we're doing. Get on board. I'll obviously do the stealing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they help out by pouring that firecracker in the swelling potion. That's quite the scene. Like mayhem, people's noses are the signs of melons. and <laughs> Well... And Harry, of course, swears that Snape knows it's him. You know, it wasn't until this reread that I noticed how many times Harry talks about Snape just knowing things. Yes. And it's so good when you know about Snape and Snape and Occumency. Mm-hmm. So clearly this was something she she actually did plan mm -hmm. early on. But anyway. So they get what they need, so they can brew their potion. But the real excitement is that Lockhart is going to have a little dueling practice. Yes. And of course, Snape is going to be his assistant. And I, I love the description of like Snape's antagonism towards Lockhart. And it's like one of the first times before the end of the, the series that you're cheering for Snape. Yeah. Well, and you kind of get the impression that he's still peeved from what happened in Potions. Wait, what happened in Potions? With the whole exploding oh. Potions. Like, they, 
that was my impression, right? So Snape's, I mean, he obviously dislikes Lockhart and he's showing him up. But I, yeah, I just thought it was anger at Lockhart. No, it seems a he seems especially bad this night. And you know, he goes up and he's like breaking up the teams and and setting giving Malfoy the tricks. I think it was like it was Harry's fear. Like he knows it was Harry, but he can't prove it. So this is part of his one. He's just angry and bitter in general. It's extra tonight because he got showed up and had a mess, and he's he knows Harry did it and he can't do anything about it. Mm, maybe yeah, but Lockhart is just like egging him on. I mean, not intentionally, but like, oh, you'll still have your potions, Professor, when I'm done with them. Don't worry, students. And and then he flattens him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then Snape Snape uses Expelliarmus for the first time. Mm-hmm. So really, uh, Harry's signature move was taught to him by Snape. Tricky, tricky. Mm-hmm. I was practicing that with my wand. Expelliarmus. So wave it above of your head. <laughs> uh, yeah oh but this is a pretty crazy scene like it was almost too much for me at times oh yeah well i mean everything everyone is being a little bit overdone like snape's being overdone lockhart's being his ridiculous over the top self um Hermione at some point ends up in a headlock. <laughs> yeah, from Millicent, which will come yeah. into play later. Right. I just, I don't know. It was just, it was just crazy. Too much, almost. Yes. And I guess maybe it was so crazy that the Dueling Club never met again, because we never get any mention of it after this. Well, what, I mean, is that... Is that still something that people do? They duel regularly? I don't know. You would think really what this this should be in defense against the dark arts. Which I guess Lockhart's supposed to be teaching. This is the first time he actually assists in anyone's education. <laughs> Even though it's really Snape who teaches them how to do things. But he doesn't really yeah, he doesn't really teach them anything. But apparently yeah. I like that you can have a tickle charm. That's yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um Okay, but Malfoy produces a snake to go after mm -hmm. Harry, mm -hmm. but it goes after Justin instead. Mm -hmm. And Harry tells the, the snake to leave Justin alone. Everyone flips out. Ron tells Harry, yo, dude, you're a parcel mouth. And that wasn't English you were talking to the snake <laughs> in. And it looked real suspicious. This is the moment where, like, Harry's really crushed. Because all of his fear. He's crushed. Like, because, like, he now everyone's going to hate him even more. And all of those fears about being in Slytherin come back to haunt him. Like, Hermione was really blunt. He's like, I, you know, I was trying to save him. I'm not the heir of Slytherin. And she's like, well, that's going to be hard to prove. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, maybe you are. You don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, like, like you said, you know, who, who, how do we really know that? Like, it's hard to say. What if you were? I, I find that an entirely plausible suggestion. That, that Harry... And almost almost a poetic suggestion, right? Mm -hmm. Is that Harry is set up um, against Voldemort. You know, wouldn't it be poetic if he was also a, a descendant of Slytherin? Well, and it's part of this redemption of Slytherin, too. You know, and the 
the impetus of choice. So if Harry was truly in that role, he has some of these powers, some of these dual talents, but that doesn't make him this evil Voldemort-like sure. person. You could have totally written the story that way. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we know he's a parcel mouth because of that he's an unintentional horcrux. He gets that from Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Um, but the suggestion, I think, is a good little seed to plant, and it's totally believable. Mm-hmm. So, I guess it's something that Harry struggles with throughout the books in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this doesn't make him feel any better that he really belongs in Gryffindor. No. No one else is feeling too good about Harry either. Because on the next day, he overhears these Hufflepuffs talking about him. And that, you know, that he's the heir of Slytherin and he's going to go after everyone who's Muggle-born. Mm-hmm. But, okay, we know Harry. We like Harry. I mean, it, especially if you consider the fear that is building there, their their thought process isn't that ridiculous. No. I mean, I guess when you think about it, like, he's Hermione's, like, best friend, so that doesn't quite gel. Mm-hmm. But A, there's, like, a rising sense of hysteria. Yes. And people jump to conclusions in a rising sense of hysteria. Mm-hmm. But B... Like, everyone knows Harry Potter's special, right? Mm-hmm. So isn't it kind of natural? They see him do this crazy thing. He's a parcel mouth. Nobody's a parcel mouth. Mm-hmm. And he's already special and marked and mysterious. So, yeah, I can easily see how, especially people who don't, like, know him super well, uh, could think that he is the heir of Slytherin. Right, and that... There's even this speculation where, like, no one really knows how or why he survived as a baby. Why was Voldemort even trying to kill him? You know, what if Voldemort knew, like, oh, he's this dark, powerful wizard as a baby, which I don't know if you can really be born like that, but, you know, that he was trying to eliminate him before he got the chance, and he already had all these weird powers, and so, hey, it makes some sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After that, okay. Little detail, but I need to point it out. After this confrontation with the Hufflepuffs, he runs into Hagrid, who has a dead rooster, who he's going to talk to Dumbledore about, and he says this is the second dead rooster. Yes. Okay, now, two, we talked about this before. When when Hagrid talked about Ginny sneaking around, I yes. was like, well, wait, is that supposed to be her killing roosters? And I think yeah. it definitely is supposed to be her killing roosters, because this is the second one. Why is she killing roosters, though? For their blood. That's what she writes. <laughs> That's what she writes. That's how she does her basilisk scribe work in rooster blood. Wait, for real? I th- I think that's it. Because it's not... It's not like she's feeding the basilisk. The rooster's body is still there. Yeah, it's. I'm pretty sure it's the blood. But there's no... There's no writing associated with the next attack. Oh, yeah. Well, it's definitely Ginny, and it's somehow connected to this. Because she talks about, like, when she's starting to get freaked out, she talks about, like, she'd wake up with, like, rooster feathers. and Yeah. But why? (laughs) I don't know. But 
anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and this also was a point to where it's almost, like, a little bit too much, a little bit over the top. He Harry just has this encounter, all the terrible Hufflepuffs, and they're like, yeah, we told Justin to hide. Harry's after him. Harry's wandering the halls by himself and runs into a petrified Justin. <laughs> and nearly had this neck. Yes. Because yeah. Justin sees the basses through nearly headless Nick. So he's mm-hmm. not dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I agree. It is too much, but I was like, th- if we'd flipped these two scenes, it would have worked better. If he runs into Justin and he finds him and mm-hmm. then he hears all the Hufflepuffs talking about him and that they suspect him, right? That mm-hmm. only gives them more ammunition to suspect him. And it mm-hmm. doesn't become too coinky dinky. That's yeah. But she didn't ask me when she was ordering the scene, so. Yeah, but he. I don't know. So when he finds them, of course, he's like, oh, Harry thinks it's too much, too, right? He's like, what? They were just talking about this, and now I look really suspicious. (laughs) But he doesn't run. No. Right? He could have scrammed out of there and not be found at the scene, but he doesn't. Maybe he, should he have, though? Well, no. Because I guess they could have come to more harm, I guess. I don't know. But he doesn't run. And see, but Peeves, that's the point. Like, with the point with Dumbledore and Colin... Like, it's not like Harry walks in and sees the basilisk scurrying away. They just walk in and they're petrified. Nothing else is happening. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. All right. But Harry doesn't run. That's not how he rolls. And then Peeves spills the beans. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I do like Peeves' little rhymes. Oh, Potter, you rotter, what have you done? You're killing off students. You think it's good fun. <laughs> So then this leads us to our first Dumbledore's office scene. Mm-hmm. And of course, Harry's worried that, oh, he'll think I did it. Hagrid very nicely bursts in to defend Harry. Right, that he was just talking to him and it couldn't be him. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore quickly puts that to rest. Yeah. He's at oh, least wise but- enough to know that Harry could yeah. be. But he does, he sees a sorting hat in Dumbledore's office, and his Slytherin angst leads him to put it on. And the sorting hat says, no, I stand by my, what I said, you would have done well in Slytherin. (laughs) Which does not help him. No, but at which point he rips the hat off. I feel like if he would have kept it on, the hat would have said something nice about him being in Gryffindor. I thought the same thing. (laughs) We also meet Fox. The yes. Phoenix, who burst into flames. Yes. So we're getting our introduction to him and his mm-hmm. abilities, which we will, which will come back around at the end. I am very confused by this little interview with Dumbledore, because the only thing they really say is Dumbledore asks, "Is there anything you want to tell me?" And Harry says, "No." That's their only interaction, right? Dumbledore's not revealing things or whatever. 
what is the point of the scene? What is Harry supposed to say? Right. I mean, he think he has all these things he thinks of and doesn't say anything. But I kind of wonder, as we have been talking about, okay, if Dumbledore is sort of processing, if we go with the assumption he knows it was Voldemort, he th- thinks it has to be somehow connected to Voldemort, and Dumbledore hasn't figured it out, like, if he is suspecting that that connection right now is through Harry. So, that he doesn't really know what's going on, but, like, Harry has something funny, you know, like, fishing. Been happening to you. (gasps) Yeah. That's so good. Because does, I don't remember exactly if we know when Dumbledore suspects that Harry is a eighth Horcrux. Right. But if he has that suspicion now, which now knowing that Harry's a parcel mouth. Right. Probably makes him, if he didn't suspect already, certainly he probably suspects now. Right. This might be the kind of, in the initial moment of, or solidifying like, okay. Oh my goodness. That's so good. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Is he's, he's really asking, have weird things been happening to you? Are you somehow being possessed by this piece of Voldemort's soul that you share? <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, that's reasonable. That's so good. Okay, I'm happy that this scene makes sense now. Okay, I'm glad. Oh, okay, that's great. But so if that's the case, I mean, Harry says nothing, and then Dumbledore just kind of lets him go. Like, is now he just watch? Is he watching Harry now? Like, what? Well, I'm sure he's always watching Harry. Well, yes. But Dumbledore also has a lot of trust in Harry. Yeah, because he, I mean, he said to Hagrid, and he, like, I believe him, he doesn't seem to think that Harry was just there petrifying. No. Justin. I guess he, he would be opening the chamber. Wouldn't be what he would. Okay. Yeah. Although I, it, I did think as Harry thinks of all these things and chooses not to say anything, I thought how alike these two are, right? Is that they're both always not telling each other things. <laughs> well, I mean, Harry's feels a little bit more justified because he doesn't have the power in that relationship. Like he's sure. the young kid student who... Sometimes weird things are happening. Sometimes he's breaking the rules. Like, he's not... He doesn't know Dumbledore all that well still. And mm-hmm. how how much can he trust him? What's worthy of knowing? What will get him in trouble? Etc. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I really enjoy that scene. Thank you very much. Okay. I, I also really enjoy what follows is, you know, half the school is freaking out about Harry and really afraid of him. But Fred and George are think it's hysterically funny. Make way for the air of Slytherin. Yes. Seriously dark wizard coming through, yeah. they say. It's pretty good. Yeah. And then of course Ginny is hates their teasing. Well, it's because she's possessed. Yeah. She's a little angsty about being possessed. It's bringing <laughs> up some me- some memories about being covered in rooster feathers and you know. <sighs> I think she's allowed to be angsty about Oh, yes. She totally is. 
Okay. But then it's Christmas time. Yes. And our potion is ready on Christmas. Yes. But before that, we have presents. I always like the presents. Mm -hmm. The Dursley sent him a toothpick. Very thoughtful. And again, more questions about Muggle Wizard Post. Hedwig I'm telling delivers you, it's just it. one. It's just one dude's job. Because <laughs> Hedwig is delivering the toothpick. Uh huh. Hagrid gives Treacle toffee. Mm-hmm. Ron flying with the cannons, a book. Mm-hmm. And Hermione an eagle feather quill. Very nice. Yes. You bought a quill. You didn't say that. You bought a quill. I did. I haven't used it yet. I need to, though. Yes. I didn't buy the fancy uh, did... one, though. That felt like oh. a Lockhart quill. Uh, okay. And so this is another Christmas time, and we just... Apparently everyone, all of the Weasleys are staying because they don't want to visit their brother, Bill. Which is kind of mean. That is kind of mean. Not only do we not want to see our parents, but we don't want to see our brother. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any justification is given for Hermione staying at all. No, it's because it says that Ron and and Hermione signed up to stay because they heard Malfoy was staying and they thought that sounded suspicious and like a good time. Okay, but what did she tell her parents? No, I want to stay at Hogwarts. It's awesome here. And you pointed out that, okay, all the professors are there on Christmas morning, so apparently they don't have any family either. Well, when you think about it, and I've never thought about this before, okay, none of them are said to, like, have spouses. They are That's all true. are old and alone. So, and they have no <laughs> families, like, no immediate family, and apparently no extended family that they go and visit because they're always there on Christmas. Yeah. Like, even as a kid, I thought the staying over the holidays stuff was ridiculous. But I'm kind of willing to just ignore it and accept it. Because the reason she does it is because she always talks about Christmas. And she really sticks to the structure of a year, right? Of the school Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. The start of term, and we have Halloween, and we have Christmas, and we have exams. And I kind of like that structure that we always hit in the books. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of just willing to accept the ridiculousness that nobody ever wants to see their family. (laughs) Well, the thing is, we follow Harry, and it makes sense that Harry wants to stay. Yeah. But it's not a very good story if Harry's there by himself. Just hang on. No. (laughs) So. Uh, So there's Christmas, and, you know, eat ourselves silly, Mm -hmm. but then we got business to do. Yes, and again, Hermione has the plan. She's got it all worked out. They're putting Crab and Goyle to sleep, stealing some hair, drinking some potion. Yeah, Ron and Harry are useless in this plan. They didn't think of the shoes, or I guess they thought of the shoes. They didn't think of the robe or how they were going to get the hair. But Hermione's got them covered. Yeah. What would they do without her? Uh, nothing. They would just be totally impotent. <laughs> So they add their hair, they transform, but Hermione won't come out. I think that's a really good scene. Like it, it talks about Harry going through the transformation and what it feels like and ending mm-hmm. up face down on the bathroom floor. And... 
coming out as Goyle Crab. I don't remember. Yeah. And, like, we don't learn Hermione's a cat till the end. Well, they but, can't. They only have an hour. They couldn't waste time. Yeah, they just, I don't know what they thought, but they had to leave, to live, leave without her. Mm-hmm. Of course, they don't know where the common room is. I bet Hermione knew. <laughs> they should have asked her. <laughs> and But Ron's brilliant plan is to ask a Ravenclaw and say he forgot where his common room was. <laughs> Though Not Ron's they, finest they do hour. Look, they do look like Crab and Goyle, so it's a, maybe more believable, just adding oh. to their dunderheadedness. Ah, I see. Ron was just embracing his idiotic character. Right. Okay. But it is rather <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> and she's like, uh, I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> but luckily Malfoy leads them to the common room. Yeah. Which, the password is pureblood. That is pretty racist. <laughs> and very poorly timed. Yes. Also, is the password always pure blood? Like, they're just that intent about it? It'd be really easy to break in. I bet Malfoy makes up the passwords. That must be his job. Wow, you are really buying into that. (laughs) Just blame Malfoy for everything. Yeah. Uh, But, so Malfoy doesn't know anything. So as a first-time reader, I was very surprised that we learned nothing from Malfoy. Or that he... Did you think he was the heir of Slytherin? Well, I... I don't know, but I certainly thought he was very suspicious or had something to do with it. It probably was more complicated, you know, because mm-hmm. it is a story. Mm-hmm. But we don't learn anything from him. Like, we don't really get a hot new clue that leads us on our way. Well, um, the only thing he knows uh, is that last time it was opened, a muggle-born was killed. That's, that becomes important. It does? Yes, because as they're piecing things together, then they're like, oh my gosh, it must be Moni Myrtle. Let's go ask her. Oh, And then she's okay. like, it came out of this the toilet or whatever. And then they find sure. the opening. Okay, but we don't, we aren't like, oh, this is a new path for us to investigate. No. And no. the only good thing that really comes out of it is that, well, first the bad thing is they learn about that Arthur was fined 50 galleons. Which is obscene when they you think about the money they she's talked about with them before. Yeah. Well, there's a long running internet joke that J.K. Rowling can't do math. Oh. Because she's her numbers are kind of weird all the time. Like house we'll, points. Yeah. Five fifty whatever. We'll we'll forgive her that though. She has other skills. <laughs> yeah. Um. But. Malfoy, idiotic Malfoy, spills the beans and says, well, yeah, they they raided us, but they didn't find anything because they didn't find the super secret chamber in our house. Yeah. And Ron's like, oh, I'm going to tell my dad on you. Yeah. And that does pay off. Mm -hmm. I I think later in this book, I'm sure. Yeah. They raid it. I I just imagine Lucius finding out that Malfoy blabbed. (laughs) My idiotic son running his stupid (laughs) mouth. Yeah, it's... And we also know that he doesn't tell Malfoy anything intentionally because he's like, that would be suspicious if you knew a lot about this. Like he knows about the first time the chamber was open. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, does he know about it from Voldemort? Or was he in school at that time? 
I okay. Because the the numbers also don't make sense there. The last time the chamber was opened when Hagrid gets expelled was fifty years ago. Which would make Hagrid sixty something. Yeah, which he doesn't come across as sixty something. How old do you think he is? I don't know. Thirty something or forty something. He's a giant. Maybe it's different. <laughs> okay. Oh, and but here's our he Malfoy gives us our first mention of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Which Harry doesn't know what it is, of course. No. But, and then we end our chapters with, okay, we gotta run out. We, Malfoy doesn't know anything. Oh, crap. Hermione's a cat. It's <laughs> <laughs> a real bummer. Yeah. <laughs> and she has to go to Madame Pomfrey. Though I did notice, which I always kind of wondered about before, uh, when she shows up as a cat... Like, what is Madame Pomfrey thinking? But Harry kind of makes the point of, like, oh, she doesn't really ask questions. Like, you just need to go. I was like, oh, I suppose lots of witches and young witches and wizards kind of do stupid things and turn limbs into other things or whatever. Yeah, they're probably, she probably sees a lot of crap. This probably isn't the weirdest she's seen. Yeah. Like, there's some mention at some time of um, people trying to banish pimples from their face. Or mm-hmm. I'm sure they're doing like breast enlargement charms that go horribly wrong oh, and like <laughs> I'm sure they're always trying to do really dumb stuff to themselves. Yeah. It must be an interesting job. Yes. I would think so. Well, Hermione's a cat is how we end our chapters. <laughs> <laughs> uh what is next time? I don't even know. I have no idea. We must have we must be getting close to the to the drama. Okay, so next time we will do chapters 13, 14, and 15. Which, so this next time will be the second to last episode for this book. So the chapters are The Very Secret Diary, uh. Cornelius Fudge, mm-hmm. and Aragog. So yes, oh. things are going down. <laughs> All right. Well, something to look forward to. Yes. So join us next time, next Tuesday, for that. And if you'd like, you can follow us at, at Weird Sisters Pod. Uh, and you can subscribe on Stitcher or iTunes. And if you would love to review us on iTunes, that would be great. Uh, and we will see you next time. If you have any great ideas for how I should display my wizard robes in my house, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. And with that, bye.